0: Hello everyone, welcome back to the True North Podcast, I'm your host Benedict Rhodes. On today's episode, I'm joined by Canadian skeleton racer, Grace Dafoe, who last week made her first appearance on the World Cup circuit after over a decade of grinding on the skeleton development circuits in Europe and North America. Her story is one of perseverance, patience, and never taking no for an answer. After finishing 25th at the historic natural ice sliding track in St. Moritz, Switzerland, I caught up with her to speak about her journey thus far, hope you enjoy our discussion. Excited now to be joined by Canadian skeleton racer Grace Dafoe. Uh, Grace, thank you for taking the time to speak to me today.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh you just got back to Calgary from Moritz, from Switzerland, where you made your debut on, on the Skeleton World Cup circuit. Uh, we'll dive into the details a bit more about your career in a moment, but you know, overall, what will you take away from this this first race and this first experience?
1: Yeah, so I did just get back just probably 36 hours ago or so. So it's still pretty fresh in my mind. Um I think the biggest thing was just I haven't had a chance to compete against the world's best. Um, So there are different levels in skeleton. So there's like World Cup levels, the top level, and obviously that goes into world champs and the Olympics. But I've been racing for quite a long time. And like I said, we'll get into that on the lower development circuits. But it was kind of my first opportunity to compete against like the world's best. And, you know, on the first day of official training, I found myself in the start house sitting beside like. The world champion who's from germany and then another um uh, the female world champion and then uh one of the men from germany who's like an olympic medalist and has won a lot of world cups and i think a part of it too is recognizing that like they're incredible athletes but they're also just humans and they're good people so um that part was super cool once you got past like the holy crap i'm sitting next to these awesome people um but in terms of like my actual on ice performance i think yeah it was the first time i got to measure myself up against against them and um I think it's just like so awesome to (laughs) we had such a strong women's field uh we had 33 sleds and to me that just speaks volumes about the quality in women's skeleton and so um yeah there's lots of things to take take out of it but yeah I was just really grateful to get the opportunity in our program and uh I feel like just I'm I'm happy with how it went obviously I think there's lots more things that um I can get better at and develop but that's why you know you get these opportunities it's to learn um and not consider them failures but yeah just help you kind of like move your career forward
0: and uh can you maybe talk about the the step I guess between the two the development circuit and the the sort of world cup circuit like how how big of a jump is it and how much of it is the maybe the top women on the development circuit just kind of waiting for that chance to to for a spot to open up I guess like you did
1: yeah. So this was, uh, it was a one race opportunity. Um, we do have an incredibly strong women's program in Canada. So, uh, you know, and a- athletes in our program are allowed to, we, we create our yearly training plans and stuff like that. And, um, an athlete plan to take a race off. And so it presented, it presented an opportunity to me, which is fantastic. And, um, so the development circuits, there's two below it. We have North America's cup and Europa cup. And it's kind of like flip-flopped because in North America, North America's cup is considered the first kind of like place you go. Then once you develop past that, you go over to Europa cup. Now they're worth the same amount of points. um, But they just find, obviously you like start by competing on your home track in North America and stuff like that. Um, It's kind of flip-flopped because the European nations generally start on Europa cup and then they make their way over to North America and they don't come over to North America as frequently as we go over to Europe. Um, but so on Europa Cup, you're actually competing against the European nations. all have six spots. So I was on Europa Cup just before Christmas and I was competing against like six Germans. Um, and again, these are, you know, one through four on, of the German women are on World Cup, but five, six, seven, eight are also really good. Um, so, I mean, like, I think the quality of competition is excellent on Europa Cup I think North America's Cup is a little bit smaller um and that's just simply because it's like there's a lot more travel logistics and obviously less countries that travel and stuff like that but um you know I'd still say that the quality of competition and like what you can learn on the lower circuits that's why we have them it's kind of like where you can you develop and you learn what works best for you as an athlete and how to race and you know all this kind of stuff the systems are still the same and I think that's what I realized in Switzerland too is you know, there's this aura of world cup and like, um, I felt it too. I, you know, was worried whether I was going to feel like I belonged or like have the confidence to be there and stuff like that. But, um, I guess like what I learned once I got past the start line, I was pretty nervous. But once I laid on my sled, I was like, oh yeah, this is just sliding. And I've done this for 12 years. And, um, it doesn't matter that people are watching right now on YouTube and CBC and stuff like that, because I'm just sliding. Um, so I think like there was a part of that, that um I kind of realized that you know there's a lot of things that uh like added cameras and seemingly added pressures and stuff like that but you can also choose to kind of just like let those things go so um yeah that's just part of my learning but um yeah so we are pretty lucky to have three strong circuits and skeleton and um they can all offer opportunities for you to like develop and be better
0: and uh, how special was it for, for your debut to come out at St. Moritz, which, you know, for people who, who are listening and I know it's like the birthplace of, of the sliding sports and, and it's kind of a very historic track.
1: Yeah. So it is the only natural track in the world. So all the other tracks are kind of like, we, they use the similar to a hockey rink, just, you know, up a curve and, and stuff like that. But, you know, with all the gases and stuff to, to ice the track, this one is handmade out of snow and ice by a group of people in the Swiss Alps every year. Um, And yeah, so it's so special because it is incredible. It's also one of the most beautiful places. Uh, I was there about, I was there in 2017. So however many years ago that is now for a Europa cup, actually. Uh, So I have gotten to slide there before, but because it's handmade every year, the track changes. The track corners, like combinations don't change, but like the curvature or the angles are slightly different every year. And that, that we're not really used to that because like, you know, if there's concrete, like the curves in Whistler are made of concrete and they still go the same direction. Obviously they can change the ice profiles, but they can't change like the diameter of, of, or like the geometry of the curve and stuff. So that makes it so special. Um, honestly, I would have taken a world cup debut anywhere uh, because it's been a long, long time goal of mine. Um, but it was extra special to do it in St. Moritz. And uh, yeah, it just, like I said, it's one of the most beautiful places I've been to besides the mountains here in Calgary where I live. Um, So it does, it just provides this aura and you know, everyone is always happy there because it's the sun is shining and um, it just seems like everyone that's there is just the mood always increases. And obviously this is the first race after Christmas. So everyone was fresh off Christmas break too. So uh yeah I mean I I was happy to to just get the opportunity I would have taken it anywhere but uh it is one of the most special places that that we can visit and I actually had a so skeleton came from Cresta which is kind of a similar um sledding sport but they they put their hands on the sled in a different way you know we lie on our bellies and we actually got the chance to walk over to the Cresta club and watch uh one of the days so uh i highly recommend if if people google it or look up instagram reels like cresta crashes they're wild um but that's what skeleton came from so it was super awesome to be able to like go and see that in person because that's like what our sport evolved from as well
0: uh, though touched on a little bit here but for those who don't know your story you know i think it's 12 years ago you said that you first tried skeleton and has always been a linear journey but how do you maybe describe your journey so far getting to this point and like you said, grinding on the development circuits for so many years.
1: Yeah. So it it was twelve years almost that the day I left for Switzerland was twelve years the day I tried it up at Winsport uh Canada Olympic Park in Calgary. Uh and then I, you know, and and then it was in later 2012 I actually like went and did a three-day intensive camp to learn how to do it. Uh and then it was two years later um that I represented Canada for the first time internationally. So, yeah, it's been a long time in the making. Um, my my sport journey actually started in figure skating. That's where the sport I come from. Uh, and I always say I was mediocre at best at figure skating. Uh, and then, so my sport journey has been less than anything but linear. Um, but I think for me, like, we always talk about how it's about the journey, not the destination. You know, that that cliche quote. But it's so true because standing on the start line made it so much better to know um all the stuff i went through and i mean everyone has these stories in sport you know we're we're used to hearing about it mine are not that catastrophic they're not you know it's just i'd have a good season and then have a not so great season we'd have good governance and then we'd lose all our coaches like it just was a battle so back and forth we you know lost most of our own well we lost all of our own the podium funding in 2014 and that was the year i started competing internationally so Um, a lot of this has come from just me grinding it out, figuring out ways to pay for things in years that we didn't have staff or we didn't have, um, really any development team, you know, in the past few years, we've been pretty lucky to actually have like a development team and some structure. And now we have an excellent coaching staff that have just come on board. And, uh, that's, that's a big reason why I'm still grinding it out, still doing it because I love it. And they've actually like, you know, helped put some. Um, guidance and support and like we have a proper program now. Um, So I really think like part of why it took me so long to get here is because of the like lack of, I don't want to say funding, but the lack of like guidance really um, is the main thing Uh, and like proper support as an athlete. So um, that, that definitely made it less than linear. I mean, I also was in university when I started, so I was trying to grind through my degree and then trying to find what I wanted to do for work and, and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I've been very lucky to be able to like have all these focuses outside of sport in these years that didn't necessarily go my way or I didn't get the races I wanted and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, it just made it all the more satisfying to be like against a lot of odds. And a lot of people that told me that I was never going to be good enough. I was never going to, you know, I came out for one of the first ID camps in 2014 with the national team and they're like, Oh, she doesn't run her 30 meter sprint very fast. She's never going to go anywhere. And they made their decisions on race allocations on that for a lot of years. And um, I then employed a track and field coach to teach me how to sprint. And then I ran that, their 30 meter sprint standard a few years later out of pure spite. Um, Anyways, (laughs) that's besides the point. But uh, I really think that like those moments and I have a few of those moments along the way. And like I said, they're not these like big, crazy events or like grace makes her way back from catastrophic injury. And a lot of athletes have these like very sensationalized stories. Mine is just like getting the short end of the stick a lot of times and, and then just choosing to keep coming back and um, persevere. Um, I'm still not really sure what kept me going through a lot of those times, Um, but I, I'm glad that I'm glad that I stuck it out because it, it has been a very, um, satisfying journey i guess so yeah
0: <laughs> and uh looking back you know 12 years what do you remember about that first time you tried skeleton like you said coming from coming from figure skating and then jump, jumping down an ice track head first is quite a different different sport so what do you remember about that first time
1: yeah so they send a, they obviously send you from like quite a lower start um because <laughs> that would be insane if they just pushed you off the top and said good luck uh, I remember showing up and being really nervous, uh, because I had figure skated for so long. And I mean, I'm at that point now in skeleton that like, I, you know, so much about the sport, you know, what to expect and all this kind of stuff. And going into a completely new sport at the age of 19, um, was really nerve wracking. You don't know anything. And like, you know, generally you succeed in the sports, you start as a kid. Uh, so I remember that. And then I just remember the feeling and. I wasn't sure if I really loved it um but it intrigued me um and so like it it's unlike anything you've ever felt before I think the only thing that we say like kind of compares is like the like I guess if you were some people have been up in a fighter jet so they like compare it to the g forces of that but also like kind of that when you take off on a plane or something and you get that like Some people get the butterflies in their stomach, you know, some of that, that's what it feels like, but it's pressing down your whole body into the ice. So really it's just so unique. And I think like the technicality of it really intrigued my brain um, that kept me kind of coming back for more. And then, yeah, a lot of people told me I wasn't going to be good at it and I am very stubborn. Uh, So I really think like that really pushed me into it more because I kind of was like, they're like, oh, you're not going to be very good at this. And I was like, yeah, well, watch me. (laughs) And then that's kind of one of the main things that pushed me into like pursuing it a little more seriously in 2013 was just like someone telling me like, oh, what are you doing? Like, just go to university and get a job, like move on from sport. And uh, I kind of just like, yeah, it just, it lit a fire in me. And then I obviously probably took it a little too far because it's been 12 years now, but um, (laughs) Yeah, it's. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of those moments that just. Yeah, it just. Anyways, it's it's the most unique feeling and the technicality and stuff like that that kind of keeps you coming back for more. You're search- searching for hundreds of seconds.
0: Um, I had someone from from Ski Jumping Canada on the podcast last week, and a large part of that discussion is about you know, the the closure of the ski jumps at, at Calgary Olympics Park and skeleton and, and bobsled and, and luge athletes have also you know faced that with the closure of the the sliding track at, at Calgary. Um, forcing you to kind of rely on Whistler or, or overseas, I guess um how disappointing was that and 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 that setback as well and I hopeful that someday there may be another track built in in Calgary or elsewhere in Canada where people can maybe discover the sport or or people who like it already can can sort of flourish yeah
1: i mean i I hats off to ski jumping, I can't wait to listen to that episode because they had very little on the podium funding and went out and won an Olympic medal in Beijing, and I remember watching and as an athlete in a program that has been underfunded and had a lot of challenges watching them succeed and do that was so amazing because you're just like, hell yeah, you did it. (laughs) Um, And I, I I really say hats off to them because they moved over to Slovenia as well. And like they've established a base over there, which I think is, um, I mean, I think it's benefited them, but it's unfortunate because they have to leave Canada and leave their support systems and, you know, stuff like that. And, I think yeah so it was really disappointing um that we lost the track in calgary i slid there from 2012 till it was there the day it closed uh in march of 2019 2019 i believe um i have a i have a photo actually of it says i uh, the we put the sign across that says track closed whatever at the end of the session and uh you know i always say like that track was my community center um it's where I was 19 years old and a little lost in life, clearly, <laughs> and in university, not sure what I'm going to do. And that, like finding that track and finding the sport gave me purpose and really, it, it changed my life. It's still like, it set me on this path and it's given me so much opportunity. And so that was really disappointing. Um, I love Whistler, <laughs> but it's, it's expensive um I used to you know be able to race in Calgary I was I was going to Mount Royal University I won a race at North America's Cup in the morning and I went to a lab in the afternoon um and as as a actually I forgot but as a simple flex I came straight from the medal ceremony and I took my jacket off and I had my medal on still um that's besides the point um I was not meaning to be that I just was in such a rush but Um, Yeah, so I mean, it's really disappointing. I love Whistler, but it's, it's expensive. Uh, You know, we have a actually have a camp coming out in February there. And I can't find accommodation because it's like reading week, um, which is a really poor time to schedule a camp because it's the middle of winter. Uh, It's a big tourist destination. The athlete center where we normally stay is completely booked out for another sport. Um, So we're stuck trying to like, essentially couch surf decide if I'm going to drive up from Vancouver or Squamish every day kind of stuff. So like, I think a lot of athletes, even international athletes used to come to Calgary to train because it was easier to find accommodation. And I know every major city has their struggles with the rental market and all this stuff, but it is much easier because there was a higher population of places available versus a lot of the small towns we slide in. It was also the track that was closest to a major international airport. Um, So there was lots of, it actually attracted a lot of people who were international athletes and then ended up being residents and then becoming permanent residents and citizens of Canada and like all this stuff. So, um, it really did bring people to Calgary. So it was really disappointing. Um, my hope is actually that we can do something like St. Moritz, you know, we're in the middle of a big polar vortex right now, trust me. Uh, it was minus 25 also in St. Moritz and the track is beautiful. I think in, you know, Northern Alberta or somewhere, uh, not in the national park but around the national parks like Hinton or something I think we should build a natural track um there's no then energy costs it's just personnel costs to get it going um and like I think it would be really cool in a small community to like bring them together and, and all this stuff so you know that would be my hope and dream if I <laughs> if I could fund it I, I would but um yeah, I really think that, like, also they're trying to get away from building more tracks and trying to reuse them. So um, I honestly, I saw Calgary 2026 when we were thinking about bidding for the Olympics as a way for us to get the track going again. Um, unfortunately, that that whole thing failed as well, uh, which was, I mean, it was disappointing, but um, everyone has their own reasons why it didn't go through inner city council and all that stuff that I won't get into. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it would be great if we could get something going again. I know, um, I know that the sliding community would be eager to luge, bobsleigh and skeleton to band together. And it also would benefit like a lot of the international community. So, and mostly also just like public programs, you know, I think that people think about high performance athletes all the time. They're like, this, this is for high performance athletes. and we're running into this with the field house here in Calgary is we're trying to build our first field house and everyone thinks it's just for the athletes, but it's for everyone, you know, it's minus 50 outside right now. I wish we had a field house that someone could go walk in to stay active and all this stuff. It's not about me sprinting. Um, it's about the person that like is trying to stay healthy and, and just go for a walk or run or something like that. So um, to me, it's, it's disappointing that the track closed and Whistler has become a home base because it's had to. Um, but Yeah, I've spent a lot of time out there and uh, it's not the best. uh, I don't know. I go back and forth because it is really beautiful, but it's just like it's a it's a ski town. And so there's lots of partying and all this kind of stuff. And um, I don't think it's like the best atmosphere. uh, To be in necessarily. (laughs) So anyways, if someone from Whistler is is listening, I'm sorry. Um, I think it's a beautiful place, but my preference would be that we would have a track here or in Northern Alberta.
0: Yeah, if anyone wants to build that uh, natural track, that sounds like a really good idea. <laughs> um, when you found out that you were going to, to same merits, what was your, obviously your reaction was, was a positive one, but who did you call first? Who did you kind of uh, share the moment with, I guess?
1: Yeah, so it was actually, so I, I got wind a few days before Christmas that it was like possibility, um, but I kind of kept it with just, just with my husband and myself, just because I, didn't want to jinx it and like, you know, that kind of stuff. And um yeah, there's kind of just making sure that, you know, I wasn't gonna go and celebrate and then not get it. Um, but I did get a heads up. I was like from our program is like, oh, if I if if this was offered to you, would you take it kind of thing? And I of course said yes. And then I was like, I'll just figure out how I'm gonna buy a plane ticket to Zurich in two weeks from now, (laughs) less than that or whatever it was, like 10 days. I'd also just gotten back from Europe on December 21st. Yeah, the 21st. And this was on like the 23rd, 24th at like things. So I had just come off like a long swing of racing as well. So I was like Christmas break, looking forward to some relaxing and like all this kind of stuff. And then to be thrown right back into this awesome opportunity was great. Um, It actually was really special because it was on Boxing Day um, and I was with my family, like with we were with my, uh, staying with my in-laws and then a bunch of my family was also out where my in-laws live in interior BC. So it was really awesome because I got to celebrate and kind of like be with most of my family. Um, I think it's just a quick text to both my parents <laughs> as I was sitting at my in-laws house, because logistically also, I was like, who has enough airline points to get me to Europe again? Um, in like seven days from now or whatever. Anyways, like those days move by so quickly so there's so many logistics travel logistics that you need to get sorted um in terms of just like getting there and renting a car and like all this kind of stuff so um I think it was more logistic wise uh because you just go into like this emergency action mode planning of okay I gotta do this 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 and this and like um I gotta get in for physio and stuff like that before I leave and it's over the holidays and all this kind of stuff so Um, I wish I had like celebrated a little bit more, but also it didn't feel super real. Um, It never does. Like whenever I leave for these big, bigger races, I say like when I went to Europe just before Christmas for some Europa Cup, it never feels like super real when you're planning them. And then when you're like on the plane or like you arrive there, I'm always like, oh yeah, I'm in Germany right now. Or like I'm here and in Switzerland, it didn't take till like the first day we got there. I was like, oh man, I'm in Switzerland, like that kind of stuff. So. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really awesome. Uh, I, I did tell my, I shouldn't say I did tell my husband first before I texted my parents, uh, and we <laughs> he's a former uh, luge athlete, um, for the national team as well. So like, he knows how, how hard it's been. Um, he knows sport and like, and all that kind of stuff, but also just yeah a lot about my personal journey. So that was important to like share with him first, but then, yeah, <laughs> then I went into like emergency mode of like, okay, how do I get to Europe?
0: <laughs> um, you posted something on Twitter today, which was, you know, a message to yourself that was, uh, you wrote, wrote yourself when you were in in Switzerland. And the line that stood out to me was you know, enjoy it. How much, how important was it for you to take the time to take it all in, but also to, you know, have fun, like, you know, sports are meant to be fun.
1: Yeah. Um, that was, that was, uh, I waffled back and forth whether I was going to share that um, because it was, I actually wrote it while I was sitting in the start house, uh waiting there's 31 sleds ahead of me and that's a long time I was at the track for probably about two and a half hours before I actually went uh and of course like my first world cup race I'm pretty nervous I would have rather been maybe a bit earlier but um anyways it doesn't that doesn't matter um I think like a part of me really felt like I wanted to make sure I felt confident that I belonged and like stuff like that so like but then I wanted to balance that with like yeah this is like a huge long-term goal that you're accomplishing like you need to own that um so I obviously went back and forth and um yeah I mean <laughs> that was this yeah it was, I don't even know I can't like I It just I just started typing on my phone and those are the words that came out um but yeah I just really wanted to remind myself like to enjoy it because I know I slide my best when I'm happy and I'm relaxed and um that's just, I know, and like grateful and stuff like that. I know that's when I perform the best. So that's why I wanted to remind myself that because I wanted to stand on that start line and be like, take it, take it all in. Um, that being said, I don't really super remember those like few moments before I went. I, my mind is a bit blank. Um, apparently, like my teammates sent me a video after them cheering for me starting. And I'm like, I don't even remember hearing you guys. Like I was so, I don't know, in another world um but yeah like sport is meant to be fun and everything is the cherry on top I think like I said like I I stumbled into this sport of skeleton and then persisted my way through a long time and many up and down you know moments and stuff like that so like a part of me also wanted to make sure yeah like celebrate it because that was my like you don't know what if you're ever going to hit those goals higher than that, you know, I'd love to race a world championship. I'd love to go to the Olympics, but, um, there's not a lot of rungs now that I haven't raced. <laughs> I have raced in a world junior championship. I've done that. We used to have another circuit called intercontinental cup, which I would describe as like the AHL, like the farm team of NHL. Like it was kind of like that. And they got rid of that, um, this season, but I've raced there. I've raced Europa cup. I've raced NACs. I've won NACs, you know, have six podiums, uh, so I think part of me, well, I just also want to remind myself, like, you deserved this. Um, so, yeah, sport is meant to be fun. And I just want to remind myself to, like, enjoy it. The week went by too fast, though, honestly. Like, I was trying to, like, enjoy every moment. And then, like, suddenly I was, like, sitting there getting Cairo uh, the night before a race. And I was like, oh, my God, we leave in, like, 36 hours. I race tomorrow. Um, it was, like, this whole thing. Uh, <laughs> just, like... It all hitting you all kind of at once. So yeah, uh, that note was super vulnerable. I wrote a similar note to myself before I raced in Altenburg in December. Um, I didn't share that one, but I I don't know if I shared it. I might have shared it in my Instagram broadcast channel, which people can join if you want a little more inside look. That'll be my plug. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I, I just and also like social media has been a way for me to really um connect with my community and like stuff like that so anyways that's why I shared it
0: you mentioned your teammates uh, how special was it to you, for you to share that with uh, you know Hallie Clark finished 11th Jane Channel was 17th and I know you know those two well of course but was like maybe see them from a bit of a different perspective you know at the World, World Cup level
1: yeah um it was really awesome I was around when Hallie first started actually <laughs> and I've seen her really rise up through the sport I think she was actually my roommate for the week and it was awesome because she is, you know, she had a quick, last year, she competed um, on the world cup level, although in the U S program, but she competed on the world cup level. Uh, But like, really, she's so easygoing and so just such a good person to be around. Her calming energy was really appreciated. Um, Jane is one of like the most well-respected leaders in our, in our sport internationally. Um, but also just like having her along the way, you know, she's been to two Olympics, she's raced in countless world championships and world cups and all this stuff. And really what she said to me is there's no stupid questions. And, you know, we get race bibs and I'm like, I need to know how to sew my race bib. And like, what do I do if this happens? And, you know, all this kind of stuff. And she was kind of like a good grounding source of like making sure that I have, that she could answer those questions. Um, so yeah, it was so awesome. It was such a good week. Our team atmosphere was like off the charts. Awesome. Um, I had, and one of the male counterparts, David Park was also making his world cup debut. So that was really awesome. And then I've Blake Enzi is the other male that was there. And I've known him since he was like 15 again, when he first came out to the sport. So it was just such a good, um, good week. And like the therapist that was with us, like Cairo is like been my personal chiropractor for the past decade. Um, I was one of his first clients and stuff. So it just felt like so much synergy coming together. Um, yeah, anyways, it was, it was awesome. And yeah, it just like, for me, I couldn't have, I uh, our entire team is awesome. I shouldn't say that, but like, we just had such a good team dynamic. I actually was so sad to leave them at the airport. Uh, They were flying onto Lillehammer and I was obviously flying back to Canada. And uh, <laughs> I was just like, man, that was just reflecting on it. It was an awesome week with an awesome team. And they, it just made it all that much better.
0: You mentioned the uh, Holly Clark you and I spoke a couple of years ago and, and then you told me she was one of the top prospects in Canada. And since then she's switched to the United States, she switched back and, and she seems like she's the, the, the present and the future of, of the sport here in Canada. So what can you say about her and, and a superstar in the making it looks like?
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're not following her already, you've got to follow her. Um, I think she's going to win world championship medals. I think she's going to, you know, hopefully win an Olympic medal for Canada in the future. Um, she's a talented athlete. She's a great person uh we're so lucky to have her back in our program in our Canadian program obviously I'm biased in that but even when you know she switched to the states I just said I don't care what nation is beside your your name like I just care that you're racing and that you're happy and all this kind of stuff so um she's just such a good person and it's funny because she also comes from figure skating uh so we kind of had that in common I remember when she first came out to push so uh you know it it it's just exciting for me to see someone young and up and coming in our program. Who has a lot of, I say potential, but like, she's already realized it. she's already won world cup medals, but yeah, you got to follow her. Um, she's a phenomenal human and yeah, I think she's going to do big things in life and, and hopefully, you know, win some medals for Canada. So, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's fantastic. And it's such a polarizing on our world cup team to have, you know, Mimi Reneva and Jane channel who have gone to two Olympics, and then have this young up-and-comer, like, to me, it's just so awesome. And um, it makes me so proud to be a part of our women's program. Like, I, I've alluded to, you know, that we have a really strong women's program. Those three were all ranked in the top 10 in the world last year. Uh, so, you know, as, as the person that's trying to chase them, it's exciting because not only am I chasing the best in Canada, but I'm chasing people that are the best in, wor- in the world. So, um, anyways, it makes me really excited as a, as a fellow Canadian athlete just to watch their careers, and I'll be excited to watch Halley's continue to unfold.
0: Now that there's, you know, two years away from the Olympics, and now that you've had this first taste of World Cup action, what does the next couple of years look like for you? What are your, some of your goals, I guess?
1: Yeah, I mean, my goal is to race more World Cup races, um, but also just, like, continue developing as an athlete and see how, how far I can take this. Um, that's just been, like, the, you know, the theme of my skeleton careers okay, I've achieved this, now what's next? What else can I achieve and stuff like that? So I'm really looking forward to debriefing with our staff at the end of our season um, and just like kind of talking about that. What is next? What, you know, we design over the summers, we design our yearly training programs and kind of stuff like that. So to me, I'd love to see more World Cup opportunities, but I also know that I have to continue competing on the lower circuits to help prove that, you know, I might deserve those some of those opportunities um you know they're they're not gonna be handed out very easily (laughs) there there are you know so um but I think we're really lucky to be in a program that that does value each individual and like and yeah we kind of go through this process of um they allocate races and we have conversations and is there stuff you know, is there work or personal commitments for each athlete that maybe they're not able to do a race that week and stuff like that. And that's how these opportunities come up. So, um, for me, obviously, like I'd love to go to the Olympics, but as I said earlier, it's not about the, or it's about the journey and not the destination. So I just want to take this as high as I can. I want to continue winning medals and, you know, maybe, you know, moving up a bit in world cup and, and racing a few more races. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I I go back and forth of just like, of saying out loud, I want to go to the Olympics, but I also just like, I just want to have a couple good years and enjoy sliding. And I say, I'm happy when I'm happiest. I slide well. I just want to just keep doing that and enjoy it. Um, you know, sport doesn't last forever and it's no secret. I'm, I'm in my 30s now. So, (laughs) uh, I know that like my time in like, competitive sport is going to come to an end in the next few years likely um you know never say never but <laughs> i've been around a long time and and that kind of stuff so um yeah i think follow me uh, you know follow me on instagram and you you can find out how the journey unfolds over the next few years and um yeah obviously i want to push for an olympic spot but i also know like i i acknowledge that we have a very strong women's program um, so Yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, You mentioned your Instagram. Where else can people follow you and and support your journey?
1: Yeah. So obviously uh, my Instagram handle is at GraceDafo. If you're into TikTok, I try to post there as well, but at GraceDafo as well. I'm on X, same handle. Um, Really though, yeah. I mean, I have a website, GraceDafo.ca, but it's mostly just my social media posts populated into my website. Um, Yeah. And I'm in, you know, I'm an open book on Instagram, so follow me there engage with my content you can dm and ask me questions i try my best to get back to people and all that kind of stuff you know i really i don't use it to like promote myself i use it as a place to connect with people um because i know that like everyone has their own journeys and and all that stuff so it like don't be don't be scared or if you're an athlete or like you want to know more about sliding sports hit me up let's chat
0: yeah, I definitely can't, uh, can't recommend following Grace enough. Uh, Grace, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show, and good luck with the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks again to Grace for joining the show, and thank you for listening to the True North Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to check out past episodes of the show as well, including a great conversation I had this past week with Mike truck the co-chair of the Ski Jumping Canada Board of Directors. If you want to be the first person to listen to future episodes of the True North podcast and read all of my written content, subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts and at truenorthsports.substack.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at truenorth underscore sport and on Instagram and TikTok at truenorthsport. I've been your host, Benedict Rhodes. Thank you so much for listening.